Welcome to Spirit School. I'm your mentor, Danielle Serenk, also known as the Squamish Medium. In this podcast, I share honestly all I have learned about the mediumship and spiritual development journey. My intention is to normalize these conversations, to make way for a more confident, clear, and connected wave of lightworkers, serving the world of spirit with an open and joyful soul. Welcome again to Spirit School. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Spirit School. I am so excited to share a new friend, Sheila V, all the way from Australia. How are you, Sheila? I'm great this morning, Danielle. It's such a pleasure to be here. Yes, me too. We met through a mutual friend, Megan Z. We'll call her because she also has a tricky last name, yep. <laughs> who's the CEO and founder of the Sheevolve, so digital marketing agency. So she connected us because we just like, I think have so much in common. When I was reading your fact sheet, I was really excited to start talking to you. She quit corporate, went into psychic mediumship development, studied at the Arthur Finley College, and now is a book author of a book that I'm very passionate about the title. I haven't had the chance to read it yet, but Brave Courageously Live Your Truth. So I'm really excited to talk about all the things. How are you, Sheila? I'm wonderful this morning. Well, so I guess just start by telling us a little bit about yourself and, you know, our, our, uh, audience is really into like mediumship and spiritual development. Yeah. So if you even want to weave into like how all that started. Yeah. So look, I had a really traditional life for so many years. I became a chartered accountant. I spent so many years in the corporate world. You know, I came from a successful family where success was measured by productivity, having a great job title, you know, having a great salary, you know, having a lot of things that I say in the 3D count, right? So for my mission for the first, I think, 15, 20 years of my life was to climb this corporate ladder. I did an MBA with distinction. I got to CFO and the whole time, Danielle, and you might um, align with this and make your listeners might too had this niggling feeling that this isn't what I'm supposed to do and I come from a psychic family my parents had an arranged marriage I'm Sri Lankan I was born in Sydney my dad's a doctor and my mum had really well-developed psychic mediumship abilities but it was it was secret we didn't talk about it you know it was something that we kept private in the family we spoke about our dreams around the breakfast table we spoke about astrology we talk about seeing things and as a child, um, you know, I always felt like my sisters were more connected than me. I looked and acted more like my father. So I made a, I had a belief set that I'm not that psychic. Mm. And when I was 12 years old, I had my first sort of bout of depression and anxiety because I, I felt like I wasn't lovable. And I think on the spiritual path, a lot of people have this self-worth um, issue, self-belief, because on some level on the other side of that is so much growth. And because of my limiting belief at the age of 12, I felt like I started to naturally speak to spirit. I remember thinking there weren't adults to help me. So I started to put thoughts out, which is really how we first connect to spirit. I started to think, is someone there? Can someone help me? As a child, no one taught me this. It was very self-taught, these gentle psychic practices. So I climbed this corporate ladder and um, seven years ago, I was, I was in the middle of my corporate career. I had my spiritual awakening, right? And they're messy and unglamorous. And quite frankly, don't make it to social media. And that's why no one really knows when someone's having a spiritual awakening. But it is your divorces, your job loss. For me, my apartment flooded. So the whole foundation of my life had to be relayed. I broke my foot, my toe, because I wasn't willing to take a step forward in my life. I lost my job. So my ego was attached to my job. 
everything around the job was um, I, I, I invested a lot of um, self-worth around that. And then I had a relationship end because I was bleeding so much energy into the relationship and not into myself. So the universe did a big clean out and that really began me owning my spiritual nature and my spiritual path. Um, so does that, is that a nice summary of, of you know, yes. the my corporate life and, and sort of there's more to it, but that's kind of an introduction for you. Yeah, I see some parallels to you. I mean, I definitely wasn't that. I, I was think I was an executive assistant by the time I had my awakening where I, but I went from the motorsports industry into corporate. And when I had a baby, I completely changed. And in Canada, we get a year off maternity leave. So during my year off, the abilities kind of started coming through. And when I went back, I knew I wasn't going to stay. I was like, and that was in 2014. And uh, it was hard because I kept trying to reject uh, advancements. Like they were like, you're a manager now, you're a director now. And I kept pushing it away because I like knew I didn't want to stay, but they would like literally hand me a piece of paper, like, no, you're a manager now, here's your back pay. <laughs> and the golden handcuffs just kind of like stuck. So yeah. I know yeah. that feeling so well and so cool that you grow up with such a spiritual and open family as well. Um, and I too remember conversations like that. My parents used to say, like, you're just taught, like, you're just thinking about yourself all the time. I'm like, no, I think I'm actually having conversations with someone. <laughs> In my head. In you know, head. I, I, I mentor women and around how to manage the spiritual awakening process and transition into their spiritual business. Because the fallacy is you quit your corporate job and then you start your business and it's all unicorns and rainbows. It's not. Mm -hmm. um, it takes time to develop your skills and to really cultivate your own spiritual practice. So I had two, I went, I went back to corporate and left twice mm -hmm. and both times were very useful because on the spiritual path, we need to live in our, th in our human existence and have a human experience we're also light workers and way showers, and we are leading the mass consciousness to lift. So we have a, we have a need to serve, and that's the pull and the yearning that I refer to when I teach a lot and in my book. It's this this knowing that you're meant to do this bigger thing, and because we're psychic women and we're so clairvoyant, I can see years ago I could see myself on television talking about a book when I did not even know what I was going to write about, and it would bring up anxiety. And it's so important on the spiritual path to learn presence and turn up every day and just and be with what the day offers you. So I'll share a story, one little anecdote around an important moment in my career. I was offered the job as finance director, CFO of Simon Schuster. So it's a global company. And on that same week, I was offered a role to go on psychic television to do live psychic readings on free-to-air television in Australia. Wow. And I thought to myself, oh, my God, like this is such an opportunity. I, I don't want to say no to the psychic TV, but I'm thinking but I've, I've, I have a yearning and a calling also to stay in corporate and still learn more about being an executive, a woman of colour in Australia at the C-suite. I had a dream of doing that. And, you know, so many people are like, what are you going to choose? And I thought I had this moment where I, I came alone and sat by myself and I thought, well, why can't I choose both? Mm -hmm. Because it's very common on the spiritual path for years, you need to do two things or three things. And it's this, this fallacy we've got to choose that takes us out because it, it creates too much internal conflict. Yeah. And so the first lunch I had with the, the board of directors at Simon & Schuster, we got to the end of lunch, I said, I need to share with you that I, and they all knew, they, they'd Googled me, you know, it's not hard to find out people's secret lives. They, they knew what I was and who I was, but I said, yeah, and I'm also doing, you know, a television segment. It's on the weekends, it won't interfere with work. Um, however, this is something I'm going to do. 
because I stood in my power, they were like, wow, that's amazing. And then when I went on psychic TV, they said, I have a corporate job and this thing I do. And, you know, spirituality has many different looks. So my first counsel to women is you're not quitting your job right now, but you're potentially going to, to start saving money and start knowing that potentially you're leaving corporate or you had a, you had a job in nursing to learn all this nursing knowledge to become a, a very amazing healer and maybe a, um, a medium of the body and illness, right? And you've got all these technical knowledge. The first lot part of your life makes sense in the second part. Yeah. Our lives are lived in quarters or thirds or halves. So, you know, I say, you know, it makes sense. You weren't put in that position to learn all that knowledge and have all that experience for no reason. So now that my book's come out and it's coming out soon, I will be speaking to corporates about spirituality and I feel very qualified to do it because I've been a director and I'm not scared of the corporate world. So, you know, I've made sense of what I thought was, why am I here? And this seems like such a waste of time. It isn't. Yes. I love it. There's so many parallels. I love that story. Thank you so much because I feel like in North America, it may be very much the same around the world, but it's like this all or nothing attitude. Like it's all or nothing. And I was talking to one of my mentorship clients about that the other day. She's like, even when you're going to education, it's like, what are you going to major in? Right. It's like all or nothing mentality that is within our mind. I wish I met you years ago because the literally the um, thought process it took me two years to finally resign. And I resigned twice. I went back <laughs> kind of like you did. It made me sick. Like the actual process made me physically ill. Like I had an anxiety attack, my one and only trying to like leave this place. It was so scary. Um, phenomenal story. And yeah, my work that I left last year just had me come back to teach energy management to them like a couple weeks ago. So I feel too. I feel like uh, I tell some of my students, like being in the corporate world helps me kind of like show up powerfully around all sorts of people, mm -hmm. right? Because around the boardroom, you have to be able to hold your own. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And so, when we work on, sorry, go for it. No, 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 you go. When we're on a spiritual path, we get to choose who we spend more time with, right? And as an entrepreneur and a business owner, the thing is in the corporate world, you don't choose. You have to have conversations with people. You may not be aligned in value set. You might have a belief about them by virtually how they look, male, female, what color they are, what age they are, how they dress. And suddenly there's all these limiting beliefs that walk into every meeting and you don't unconsciously know you're bringing in. Wouldn't it be great if we could bring more of a spiritual nature to these meetings, more of a pure heart, know that we are souls, like know that we are um, souls having an experience. And as mediums, we've got that knowledge. We know we're speaking to spirit and souls. We can see the light around ancestors. That kind of knowledge is so important. Um, I'll share another small story. I was very afraid of um, sharing with my staff. I was managing a finance team of 20 people before I went to the Arthur Finlay College for a holiday and I booked it. And I thought, oh, my God, how, you've heard of the Arthur Finlay College, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I'm sure a lot of your, your listeners have either been or would love to go. Oh, my God, it's, it's a magical Hogwarts, you know, place to visit. And I remember thinking, how do I tell them I'm going on a holiday and where to? And the thing is, is we make up so many beliefs, and I know I did, about what being a medium is. A lot of people are really fascinated and they're really in awe and they really respect this ability we have. So I think I've discovered to be really proud of it. And if people get a bit uncomfortable, I help them demystify what mediumship is and how I work in plain language. And if they're not comfortable, I, I accept there is there is in their place of resistance. I think, okay, that's that's okay too. So um, it, it's, it's really standing in your power is so important. 
I love that. And who was the tutor that you went to see in Arthur Finley? Well, you know, the first time I went, I got addicted and I was like, I've got to come back here. So every business trip I had to London and I found ways to go to London for work. <laughs> and I've got to visit the office there. It's really important. And bless, I did have to visit the office. So, um, and I would tag on this week at Stansted, right? So um, I went three times in a year. Wow. And which is a long way from Sydney. It's like a, you know, it's 14 hours by plane. It's a long plane trip. Um, Chris Drew was one of my teachers. Mm-hmm. Eileen Davis was another. Colin Bates, you know, and then you get to know sort of all of, all of um, the tutors. And, and it, it's such a, it's such a, it is like a, a college. I just finished my MBA. So when I got there, I thought this is like doing an MBA for mediumship. It was so disciplined. There was a rigor. It was class after class, you know, and I got to hang out with people exactly on my vibrational, you know, wavelength. I was like, yeah. you know, it was, I, I ran up that cobbled pathway with my bag. I'd gotten off a plane. It was middle of winter and I was running up the driveway going, I'm so excited to be here. And I burst through the doors and I said to the, the ladies, hi, I'm here. I'm here. And, the, <laughs> and the ladies behind the counter at, the, the, at reception were like, you are mad. <laughs> But I don't think they realize, and a lot of your listeners on your podcast, what it's like to be around people who just get you. I didn't feel gotten. And I was like, I'm amongst my people. And it was like, I'm home with a soul family. It was so exciting. Yes. I hope to go one day. I, um, cause I didn't discover my abilities to after I had a kid and then I had two, it's going to be very hard pressed for my husband to allow me to go away for a week across the world, but it's my 40th birthday next year. So I might be able to ask for whatever I want. So we'll see. Yep. I think <laughs> yeah. you should ask for whatever. There's so many women there and a lot of women, yeah, are working are mums, single moms, like older ladies. And they're all like, Everyone saves their money and gets themselves there. And, and there is something about that going, no, I'm going to do this. Yeah. I, I'm going to ask for that for my 40th birthday because I actually have been saving up points to fly there and I have like enough to fly there now, but no one's flying anywhere right now. So it's like <laughs> just banking up. But yeah, I, I, Eileen Davies would definitely be like a top three that I would want to go see there. I actually yeah. had a reading by her in a yeah. spiritualist service in January. She's phenomenal. Phenomenal, phenomenal. So very, very cool. So because, you know, I was so interested about your book and the topic of your book, because one of the things I talk a lot about in the podcast is walking through fear. It's like, how do we show up courageously so that we don't, I'm an end of life doula too. So like, we don't get to the end of our days and have regrets. And so thinking about even showing up on TV, like what were you scared? Cause like, you're very confident, but you have like a lot of practice now, but back then, like, what was the process for you to even be able to get the courage to do that? Yeah. Great question. So, and I write about this in my book, what it's like, you know, fear does not go away. It does not go away. And even now, as I publish a book and I'm called to do TV and radio to talk about the book, it's a new level of fear that I'm working through. And I sometimes think does this ever end? And I don't think it does. It's how we manage ourselves through the process and the kind of mindset we bring to every experience. So fear is two ways of operating. Firstly, it, it, it can stop us. So firstly, I've had to look at fear and, and, and I had mentors that have said, you're saying yes. Like so, so having a strong mentor like you, Danielle, like myself, like we're in this space where we're way showers for women to come through. So you need to find a teacher or a mentor who's going to have your back I'm going to look at your abilities or look where you're at going, no, you're ready to start doing platform. You're ready to start working with clients. This is the value you need to charge because you're worthy. Sometimes you need a bit of an external voice until the internal voice arrives. Mm-hmm. And the external voice will put you into action 
And moving into action, you'll have enough positive reinforcements from clients going, oh my God, this is amazing. And I still think of your reading years later. And I've got to like beautiful little voices and testimonials in the back of my head. When I move into doubt, I think, okay, yeah, no, no, it's all good. It's all good. You, you kind of need that. Like you need a reinforcement cycle, but you have to move into action regardless of the fear. And the second thing is, is fear sometimes can show you that you're underprepared or under, you need some work to do. So I, I stood in the face of fear and now I ask myself, what do I need to do to slightly lessen that feeling of fear? Is there anything I can do with respect to action that um, will make, will allow me to feel more prepared? So before I went on psychic TV, I got nervous that I would stare at the camera, see a red light and lose my channel. I did not know if I could channel on live television versus like a pre-recorded and you make mistakes. Like when, when it's live, there is no going back. It's broadcast around Australia. So I, I Googled TV presenting courses and I found a lady <laughs> and I couldn't afford her, her costs. So what I do is I, I offer contrast. I said, I'll pay a half and I'll give you two readings. Yeah, so everything's a discussion, right? And people love getting readings. Who does that, you know? So, you know, a week later I was in her green room. She was in front of the camera and I said, I need to give you a reading now and anyone in your office. And all I, I want to know is, is it right? You've got to confirm to me that I am in my channel and whoever I'm bringing through or talking about, it's correct. I said, that's the gig. So she, everyone was lining up, obviously, for a reading. And so I was doing it to camera and going, okay, I can see your life's like this and you've got children. And so it just gave, I just had one experience where it was they, were, they gave me positive reinforcement and they said, yes, you can do this. And I was like, okay, I can do this. So did, did it lessen the fear completely? It, it lessened the fear. It didn't remove it. But I walked in that night, that first night to do psychic TV thinking I've done enough to prepare myself to the position that I believe enough, mm -hmm. right? And, and, that, and, and sometimes you need to just go on, on a scrap of self-belief and just, you know, and, and as light workers that we are, a place of surrender and a prayer practice, like something, you know, I, I do every so often I have a moment of doubt. I think there is someone guiding me. There's something bigger than me guiding me and I have to trust. And, and they're kind of my tips. That's they're, they're, they're the things that have got me onto TV and even publishing a book and speaking about it, place of trust and also having mentors and coaches around me to show me what preparation looks like. Yeah, that is absolutely incredible. I really, really appreciate you speaking about that. I find, I find confidence kind of like ebbs and flows, right? And so like, if I'm not confident in my motherhood, or I'm not confident in the business side of what I'm doing, I find sometimes it can rock me in my psychic work and mediumship work. Do you find that? Like, do you find like, Sometimes you have to work on like different areas of life to bring confidence here. And like, how do you come back to it? <laughs> to the mediumship or just back to a confidence? Just confidence, right? Like just like feeling powerful, like being in your power. Mediumship requires you to stand in your power and be powerful. Yeah. yeah. We're not single dimensional people. You know, we've got kids and partners and a rich life. And, you know, you have these things happening outside in your life that might take you out. And then you've got to turn up and step into your power, step into a high vibrational state. You might've had a, an argument with your partner that morning or your, your teenage daughter or son's acting out, or you've got real concerns about them. You think, I can't hold a thought, you know, I can't really hold a vibration. And that's why, you know, I, I've looked, I've, started, I've read a lot of books and listened to a lot of a lot of talks around setting up powerful mornings, like the miracle morning by Hal Elrod. I think I'm saying his name right. 
miracle mornings, powerful mornings, trying to get out in nature just for five or 10 minutes. This is not hour-long hikes. This is literally some small, small practices to bring you back to centre. We can fit five, 10 minutes in. It's about having intention. You know, when we open up a session or a sacred space, it's about having a really strong invocation, a really strong prayer that will bring you back to whoever you're aligned with, the archangels, the elements, um, because on some level, a, str a strong breath practice along an invocation centers me. We've had a fight with my partner or having some issues. doesn't entirely go away, but just that prayer and invocation disconnects me from that world, connects me into this world. I have sometimes thoughts around why I'm serving and what kind of difference I can make to the client in this session. That is also grounds me back into the hour session with the client. And then when I'm in flow, I'm in flow. You know, we've got to, we've got to be kind to ourselves as light workers and practitioners. Not every reading we're going to nail. Right. Right. You know, we're not going to be like, you know, sometimes we're so rock stars. We're like, I'm getting names. I'm getting food brands they ate. I'm getting so much evidence. It's ridiculous. You know, like even I'm shocked. I'm going to pretend I'm not shocked at my own abilities. And other readings, you're like, I think I've got someone here. <laughs> you're like, I can't really. <laughs> you know, we have our moments, you know. The thing is, this is something after writing my book, which I have 19 women's voices in my book, synchronicity brought every single person to me at the right time. So if I have a client sitting in front of me, I know that my vibrational state is a match to theirs. I'm here to give them something. I may not feel like it's enough, but they will walk away. And I've had clients go, that was amazing. And I thought, oh, I didn't know. I don't know if I really helped you as much as I wanted to that day. I was feeling a bit off. The thing is, if you get out of your own ego and your shame state and you really trust that there is, like God stands for grand organized design, there is something seriously intelligent working over us, through us, with us that the clients in front of us, we have something to give them. Yeah. And so I don't judge my readings as much anymore in my client experiences. I'm just like, I'm in a place of deep, deep service. And, you know, the great teachers like, you know, Oprah's and the Louise Hayes, they worked in a place of service and they have off days too. They have on days. The thing is, even an off day for us, I know is still a pretty kick-ass day. Yes. I'm so glad that you talk about this. Um, I have a, a light working community and we were doing a class this morning on the essence of spirit. And this is one of the things that I said, I wish there was more exposure out there about the reality of the readings that not every reading is a knock out of the park. They're not edited like on TV or certain podcasts and stuff. And it's tough because we have like these expectations that we're continually trying to meet. But I agree with you. If like you dip into service and just trust, even like those not great readings are still like good, right? Like they're not as bad as we're telling ourselves so much of the time. And there's still, people still walk away with something beautiful, right? Oh, completely. And, and I think as practitioners, look back to the readings that you received and how they changed your life. So I've done, I've done, I experienced a lot of plant medicine. I've, I, I'm really, really connected to energy. So I teach my students, there's an energy and a frequency in your voice that is causing a transmission of change. So years ago, I was having a lot of challenging situations with my dad. I was in my late twenties. It was more than a year ago. It's a, a long time ago. <laughs> and, um, and I sat with a medium and I was crossed and I had crossed my arms and I said, bring through my grandmother. I want to ask her about my father. I want to ask her why he is the way he is. And this medium was shocked at my, you know, my audacity. But by then I was really conversant with spirit through mediums. I was on my way to becoming a medium. And she brought him through. She didn't bring a lot of evidence. 
because I knew she had him. I knew she had my this my grandmother. So she brought my grandmother through, gave me a little bit of evidence. It wasn't uh, amazing evidence, but it was enough energy. She was holding the energy of my grandmother I knew. Yeah. And then she said, you need to accept that he is the way he is. He's always been this way and he'll always be this way. And that's all she said. But it was like she was his mother and she was the only one that could explain those words to me. And they had a frequency and something left my body, the anger. And I thought, yeah, my dad and I just, we just need to learn to get along. So it was such a simple statement, but it gave me so much. And I, she might have thought, gosh, I, did I make a strong connection? Could I have brought through more information? I didn't need much. I needed her comforting words um, uh, phrased a certain way. And she honoured the channel and, the, and she honoured the exact words clear audiently she was receiving. I teach what you get, please deliver it as, as close to how spirit's saying it because it's delivered with certain phrases so that the client gets it. So um, I got the healing in a short sentence. And because it happened to me, I, I honour that with my clients. I'll, I'll get very simple phrases and I'll know I'm healing, I'm transforming, I'm lifting their vibration. So I've moved very much out of judgment and knowing I'm here to serve and spirit, which is far more intelligent than me, is literally helping the client. And if you work from that place, you, you, will, you will transform your clients. The ego steps out. That's beautiful. And very beautiful. It actually made me think, I have to think back to some of the readings that I've had that you're right. They actually, some of them didn't even make sense for five or six years. Like, honestly, one lady, I, I, I thought I just wasted my money and like, 150 kilometers I had to drive to get here and back home. And five years later, I'm actually living the life she said I would be living, but I was in such a different place back then. I was like, no, this lady's like just out to lunch. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah very. I think you're, you completely um, nailed that there. Yeah. And that's just, also, yeah. Go here. Then I, I, I think that what we, we miss on TV sometimes is because we're looking at like the, the verbiage, like the, you know, verbatim of what's been said, but we miss that actual soul to soul connection. What people are feeling is they're experiencing their connection. And that feeling is what leaves people leave with that feeling. And that's what they remember more than anything. Absolutely. You know, and, and you've got to listen to what your clients are saying, believe it. I was in, I was winning, working, uh, studying shamanic studies and this girl sat down two pillows away from me and she said, Sheila, do you remember me? And I'm thinking, I don't. Cause you know, I've done thousands of readings like you and I can't remember. I mean, my channel, I can't remember their name halfway through the reading. I'm like, what's your name again? <laughs> you know, when you're so in channel, you're just like, you're not here. And it depends on how deep you want to go. And she said to me, oh, Sheila, you gave me a reading. And this is when I was a student and I was well, giving free readings to, to, to learn. And she said that reading, the words you brought through from my aunt, her aunt had passed away. She said, they stay with me even now. And I think about them. And I thought, wow. So I've had enough experiences from clients, just little ones that have gone, I made a difference and it didn't matter that I didn't know. And it didn't matter that I, that I didn't know that for a long time. And, and, and I think I've made a big difference to like thousands of people and I'll never know. And it doesn't matter. Yeah. And, and I think that's the real light work to not need the validation. So yeah, great point. Can we not look for validation from our work or from anything in life and find ways to come home to ourselves as whole, then you don't project onto the client. Am I good enough? Is this right? You know, if you if you're more home, some of the best readers are just so at home in themselves that the reading is pure service. Mm -hmm. And so working on our self-esteem, our self-love, having great female friends around us, 
as well as a great partnership with our husband, watching the level of self-sacrifice we do, you know, these are just little tips that bring us home to ourselves, and that impacts our mediumship. Absolutely. And can I ask you, because just based off of what you said, I, I see this come up and I would love to hear your perspective on this, but because of what we see on TV and like what's kind of out there, I see people just constantly like searching for evidence, 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 and like kind of like foregoing the message and like what they've kind of come to say, what's your process for just bringing through that powerful message that is what kind of changes the life for the person? Right. So, so I consider myself an oracle. So I work as a medium, but I'm an oracle for transformation. So firstly, I set an intention for my sessions for transformation looking at blind spots, helping the client see things they can't see and giving them wisdom to lift their vibration. So setting an intention that that is what your session will do. Mm-hmm. Then the guides around you and them realign to work like that. Okay. So just having that intention that, that this, the clients come to you because they want to speak to grandma. It's like, yeah, you're speaking to grandma and you're going to get this too. So the grandma will be there and we'll be talking about an ex-boyfriend that they still haven't gotten over three years later right? So I'm like, we're here because you're here to have an earth life and we're here to work with you on that. So I've done a lot of personal development work and courses that I integrate with my mediumship because, you know, clients go, wow, it's having such an impact on me. The reading you gave me yesterday or last week, because it's, it's more than mediumship. So I feel like we've got to see ourselves as more as more than mediums. We're mediums that are an oracle for life transformation. Now, with, the, with this obsession around um, the evidence, you know, when I studied at Arthur Finlay College, I learned a lot of tools to bring through a lot of evidence. And again, a bit like Mike, I, I look at my readings, I'm like, how much did I need? And some people just need a lot. Mm-hmm. So if you're doing a pure, pure mediumship reading and you're marketing yourself as a medium who's going to connect, right, on that level, then you've got to come back to yourself and go, well, how am I serving clients? So I've had some clients, I had, I had a woman years ago who had a, a son pass away in a car accident, she was 16. So I knew this, I, going into it, I knew this is going to be a very evidential reading. She's going to need evidence after evidence that he's around, he's alive. That he's, but I got to the point where I'm like, I could, she could feel him through me. Um, when you're doing Zoom, it's interesting. Sometimes you can see orbs, sometimes you can see light. And Zoom's great because you get to see the client's face and the relief and that belief. So there's a level of I, I just wait to watch for that moment. She's just like, and there's a body language. It's like, yeah, she's he's here, he's here. She's like, I can feel him. And sometimes you may not get that. So I always find there's a tipping point where I move out of evidence into transformation and I wait for it. But if you're highly evidential, you may not wait for that tipping point to transform. So I say, find, find where they, you, you know, spirits there, find where the client has received enough comfort. And then, then I, then I dance with the, with the reading. I'll go into transformation. Oh, it's just showing me that you love spaghetti bolognese. And as a child, you had it all over your face. A bit more evidence. Okay. Now we've got to talk about your self-worth with your job, blah, 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 blah. So it's like a, a conversation with a girlfriend where you're all over the shop. I record my readings and give them to clients. I do record them because I know so much comes through. I'm like, please listen back to this and um, take notes and there's things you might have missed because people cap out with transformation. They, people stop listening. I, I stop listening. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I can't handle it. It's too much work in telling me to do. So I dance in the conversation with the evidence and the transformation. Mm-hmm. And I don't put, I do not put 
and I stopped this years ago. Um, I do not put any pressure on myself to bring through a whole lot or 10 facts and names. I do use techniques to get names. Like I found a letter of the alphabet for a name and I got, I've got an E for an Elizabeth. I had a client this week. I've got an E for an Elizabeth, the grandmother. She goes, her name was Emma. I said, okay, the E, that side of the family, Emma's here. So I didn't get Elizabeth, but I'm like, I've got, I get the first, I try and get an initial. I think that's, that's helpful. Um, and I try and get a significant memory. So everyone works differently. I think getting readings from many mediums where you love the reading is a way to learn. So as, as mediums and psychics, we've got to get readings ourselves to constantly up level and know what great looks like or go, oh, I like the way she did that. I think never stop developing. Um, but then, yeah, the trend to take the pressure off, take the pressure off. You're there to serve. Yes. There's so much pressure, girl. I'm like, <laughs> I see it all the time. I it's see the perfectionism. It's the perfectionism. Yes. And a lot of people won't sir, won't start working because they're like, I'm not getting enough evidence. I'm like, you've got a spirit. And if you can bring through a fact, you're ready to work. Yeah. You know, you're ready to work once you can contain a link for, you know, half an hour. Like, so it's time length. You've got to be able to hold the link. It's a lot of energy. Yeah. You know, work a little bit on your self-belief. There is no right time to start working. If yeah. you have a yearning to work, it is time. Yeah. I love that. I love that. So <laughs> Okay. So I kind of, thank you so much for all that advice. I think that's going to be really helpful for the listeners too. So you've chosen kind of like a body of work right now that is kind of overcoming fear, stepping into like bravery and to live your truth is a big statement because, you know, as an end of life doula, I always think like, we don't want to live with any kind of regrets. We want to live big, expansive lives. So I'm curious about what, what kind of started this passion and like, why did you choose like, this is your life work? Like, why did you choose this to help support women and make your mark and legacy? Okay. That's a great question. You know, Danielle, sometimes I think, did I choose it or did it choose me? Mm, yeah. <laughs> so there's a bit of both. It chose me when I look back at all the, the signs and synchronicity, I think, gosh, I was always destined for this. I had a psychic reader when I was 21 say, one day you'll be doing this work. They said, if you do get married, it'll be in your early forties and you'll have children late in life. I was 21. And I was on my way to becoming a CEO, a chartered accountant, and being married by 28 with three kids. Like, so, you know, I, that was one of those readings. Like, you're terrible. You're a terrible reader. I'm leaving. <laughs> she, was, she was the most accurate reader I've ever had. And I can't remember her name or even where she was. Just, you know, a lot of, a far away away. Um, so I'm just going on topic. So you've asked me my, this body of work. You know, I did not have a lot of the answers for my life purpose from adults and friends around me from when I was young. And when I was very young in my early twenties and my teen years, I'd always ask the question, why are we here? Cause I knew here was not where I was from. There was this knowing as a soul we're here. It's got to be for a reason. You know, I had a consciousness that was pretty high from a young age. And so without realizing I knew I had to find my purpose. I didn't realize that it's something you live into. I had to, I had to discover who I was I had to heal myself thoroughly through my ancestral wounds, um, childhood sort of traumas I'd been through. And, um, and, and as I, you know, you write the book and you're doing the podcast for you 10 years ago that you wished you had, right? So I've written the book for me, for a version of me 10 years ago, that like, this is the book, this is how you'll do the path. And if you do it this way, it might be easier and more elegant. And so I felt called to write a book and there's so many themes in the book. It's, it's packed with so much wisdom. It's really about, you know, owning a spiritual nature, which is innate in every woman, 
Every woman and man is psychic, whether we're mediums, that's different, but everyone has these abilities to connect and to our intuitive state will give us the answers. Yeah. How to take leaps of courage because a bravely lived life and a life like yours, Danielle, you've had to leave jobs, leave relationships, leave, you know, leave where you're living, go to a new place, start a podcast, buy a new microphone, all that kind of stuff, save your money. You know, it's, 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 it's acts. We've got to take leaps of courage forward to create a forward momentum. We're going to have to go through some dark nights because in an end of life doula, you probably realize we're grieving. We have moments of grieving through our whole life. And the more prepared we are for death is the the more we, we are unattached to everything at any moment in time. And no, this is just the experience I'm having. So in the book, I talk about what it's like to have a dark night of courage. It's the dark night of the soul. It's more than a depression. It's a transformative experience that elevates you and lifts your consciousness. You know, I talk about what it's like to be brave in life and take be say yes before you're ready. Mm-hmm. What it's like to fail. I failed so many times, you know, and that's behind great leaders. And when I'm being mentored or if I go to a seminar, I'll always walk up to them and say, you know, have a conversation. How have you failed? Like what hasn't worked out? Because you only see the shiny stuff. Yeah. And, 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 and getting real that great leaders have really, really failed and messed up. I did an, a demonstration years ago and no one could take my links. And it was horrifying and humiliating. And not because they, they were wrong. I just, I, the way I worded it, the way I presented it, it was a member of the, it was a group of public, my friends, they weren't mediums. I didn't educate them. It was just, it was, it was a gong show. It was so humbling. Yeah. It was so humbling and useful. And because of every fail I've had, every win's been, um, you know, so much sweeter and everything's always in a state of equilibrium. So know that when someone's winning, they're probably having some challenges. Martini teaches this concept. Everything's always in a state of homeostasis. So we're all being taught pretty much at the same way, in the same level to rise. So someone who is generally winning is losing and someone who thinks losing is winning in another part of their life. Everything's always in equilibrium. So it's being brave is just taking the steps to just come back to your truth, you know, and if we're old souls and a lot of mediums are, there's a really good chance that you're going to have multiple soulmates in this lifetime. Mm -hmm. So you may have to transition away from marriages or learn to stay in the marriage, knowing that there's other soulmates dancing around, or there's a yearning for something different. Like we're going to have richer relationships and we're going to have to create space for the newer evolved relationships to come in as we evolve up and let the relationships that aren't evolving um, fall away. And that's really hard, letting go of friends, lovers, husbands, relating to our family of origin in new ways when we step more and more into our power because it might make them feel uncomfortable. This all takes courage. Climbing Everest takes courage, but I personally think this stuff takes way more courage. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, because we don't have to do it. So to do it takes courage. Yeah, I agree. I I don't think anything I've ever done has been, you know, full hell yeses, right? Like it's never been like full hell yes. Like they say to hell mess or hell no. I'm a Manny Jenny. So I'm like "Mm, 70% yes. (laughs) Like that's good enough for me, right? Yes. No, I completely agree. And, you know, you bring up dark night of the soul and that's a topic I've never approached on the podcast because I don't know how to speak about it. But I've gone through my own since last September and I lost 
one of the loves of my life. And I went through really deep grief for my first time. It's been hard coming back because you get sucked back in and then you get out and then you get sucked back in. And just with 2020 in general, I mean, so many people going through this. And so do you have any kind of like advice for people who are just kind of like in it or like, how do you navigate through that? Cause I think I've only had like two or three in my whole life. <laughs> yep. Okay. Firstly, let yourself be in it and know you're going through a transformative process. Mm. Just the awareness, I'm going through a process that's transforming me. I've just broken up with my husband. I've left my husband. I've, you know, filed for bankruptcy. I've been made redundant. I served that company for 10 years. I can't believe it. My son's starting to use drugs or, you know, I'm con- whatever plummets you into something, it's generally asking you to look at yourself and what ways of being no longer serve you? What have you, what, what life have you created around you that you thought you pretended was great? You know, Joe Dispenza says we become addicted to the life we don't even like. Mm-hmm. So you've got to get real and ask yourself, was I even happy in that job or marriage? How can I relate to my son and children differently? The way I'm being, I'm not proud of, right? So firstly, awareness. Secondly, you generally need to get a mentor, a coach, a therapist, a counselor to hold your hand on some level through the process. Because friends are great, but they're not going to transform your thinking because you literally need some new inputs. You need to ask yourself new questions, different, you know, to catalyze different answers so you can approach your problems in a different way. Um, I personally feel some level of exercise, rigorous exercise shakes your auric field. So it literally moves through negative thought forms in your body. So I've become a runner for patches in my life where it's rain, hell or shine. I'll get up and do a 20 minute run, a brisk walk. I know in Canada, it gets so cold. So I just don't know <laughs> if you can get out like in the depth of winter, but like find a trip, like you, you need to do some high impact exercise. Like you have to find a way to move your body. Movement is critical. And then breath work is becoming really um, a new thing. That's really becoming very mainstream any kind of breath technique, like rapid breathing, because if you're going through a dark night, especially if you're psychic medium, you've got a channel that's open. Okay. So you, you can go down just as fast as you can come up. So we we're smart. We've got tools that can lift our vibration up and spiral the vortex of energy up. So we can, we can channel through high guidance, light healing energy. Right. And if you're a psychic medium, there's a good chance you've got a good group of great friends around you that can assist with psychic guidance, mediumship work to pull you out. Like you literally need to bring your soul tribe around you to help you through this. Cause there's a chance they've been through that exact same dark night and they will have wisdom to share. It, it will be, yes, you will be okay. Leaving him was the right thing to do or going to count counseling with a therapist is the right, you know, you, you need to move forward through it. But you, you just need to really remember you're being transformed for a reason. You are moving through a, to a high vibrational state. And when I look back at all my dark nights, I've had so many, you know, I've had a dark night where I broke up with someone and I went and experienced ayahuasca in Peru two months later. I was like, I need, I need this, this medicine. Um, you know, I've had relationships end. I've, I've been fired from a job. I've been made redundant. My apartment, you know, I nearly lost my apartment. Like there's so many it's kind of boring stuff, but it's like human stuff. Like everyone's kind of had, I can't pay my mortgage and you know, everyone's had that moment and we don't put that on social media. So we think we're the only ones going through this. That's why I try and share vulnerably a bit more on social media. So people go, this is really what life is. So 
they're, they're my main tools. I'm trying to think there's anything else. The exercise is very important. And knowing that it will end, knowing that it's like um, you, will, you will get through to the other side. Um, when I was a lot younger, I feel like my dark nights took a lot longer. I stayed in the morass of, of the sadness because we become addicted to pain. We, 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 we like that. And if we're, if we're high empaths, we love to revel in the, in the mess of the sadness. And I had a lot of victim mentality, like I've been wronged and this has happened to me again. And so I became addicted to that emotion of sadness and grief and, and my life's never going to work out. And I'm no longer addicted to that state. So I, I, I had awareness. That's what I'm doing. Then I found tools to stop myself doing these things. So in the peak of a dark night, it's very hard to have gratitudes and affirmations. I do recommend trying some of those tools. Sometimes sitting in the depth of the emotion and crying it out is literally the best medicine. So the emotion doesn't get trapped in your body. That is a new tool I have been learning. <laughs> yes. Stopping and crying. Stopping yeah. and crying. You sitting know, with the discomfort, right? Like, like just sitting with it, not trying to bypass it and just like switch to happy thinking. <laughs> no, and that's why therapist is good and a counselor. And sometimes when I've chosen my therapist, I, I'd say to them, I need someone that's going to actually help me release my emotions, especially if an alpha type woman who's been in the corporate role, doing a mediumship on the side, doing workshops. You're like, there's a condition, there's a conditioning I had, which is I don't have time to feel feelings going to take me out. I can't afford to lose half a day being depressed or a weekend crying. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, if you haven't really addressed your emotions, there's a really good chance a lot of grief will come up. So when you have one relationship breakdown, you're grieving them all. Yes. There's a back, it backlogs. Yes. And I yes. learned this doing the plant medicine over because I was just like, I'm releasing and there's so much to release. I couldn't believe how much I hadn't addressed in my life. It's not the answer plant medicine, but it showed me that when I came back home, I've got to keep on releasing when anger or sadness or resentment, these, these negative low vibration emotions come up, I address them. I don't push them down. I think, why am I feeling that way? Um, what, why am I holding that thought? Does that thought serve me? You know, I, I stop and I've, I know I'm kind of fast still, but I'm much slower than I was in the corporate world. <laughs> I was like a shotgun <laughs> and I do slow down, you know, in my quiet moments, I'm, I'm like, I can't feel this way. What am I being shown? Um, because, you know, we're being shown all the time spirit, especially when we're so connected to the other side, our spirit teams, massive psychic mediums. We have massive spirit teams. I was shown recently in a deep meditation. I said, who's in my spirit team. And this is a little story. Um, uh, it was like the sky lit up with all these stars. And I thought, there's so many stars, guides. And they said, all of the people that you channel through for us, um, we are so grateful that we are now in your team. Mm, you that. think about that. We, we, we serve the clients by bringing through their grandparents and their parents and their children and their husbands. Don't you think the spirits on the other side are just so grateful that we are that bridge maker between that world and this world? And don't you think that they're going to go, we're going to take care of this girl yes. or boy or man, or, you know, we're going to, we're going to help her a little. Yes. But just get real that we've got so much support on the other side. I get, I get emotional when I think about it. We have so much support on the other side that we are so guided. So just sit with that. We have big service. We are doing big service. Yes. Big support too. When we feel so alone, sometimes on this path, you can feel quite alone sometimes on the path, right? Like I haven't made 
too many connections, um, but hopefully can continue to make more. So we feel less alone. but I love that. I think that that is an absolutely beautiful thought to have and something I hadn't heard before. So thank you so much for explaining all that. Um, so the book brave, is it full of brave stories? You said there's 19. Yeah. For the YouTube, what it looks like (laughs) for the YouTube piece. Um, so is it full of like transformation stories and stories of bravery from women? Do you mind sharing like just even a synopsis of like one of them, like to help inspire us as we, yeah, I, 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 Absolutely. I love, I, I love storytelling. So women, we got to share our stories. We, we all have stories to be, to share. So on mediumship and psychic circle, share some stories of transformation. It's, it's how we transform one another. I, I shared Kate's story. Kate and I met at kindergarten. She was blonde haired, blue eyed beauty. And I'm a, I was brown haired and buck tooth. And, and truthfully, we did, we weren't friends. <laughs> we just weren't. And it was years later that she found me on Facebook and said I was doing mediumship and she reached out and sent me a, a text by messenger. And I was like, went into shame. I thought, oh my God, she's going to shame me. And this is going to be embarrassing amongst my old school friends. And then her, her mother, who I didn't realize had passed over in spirit, came into my thoughts and sent me a memory from one of her birthday parties. And that was my first sign. I thought, oh, I think I've got to connect with this girl. So I replied to the text. Anyway, I ended up giving... She ended up coming to me and saying, I want to get a reading. My mom's in spirit. And I thought, oh, wow, okay, the connection's already been made. I gave her a reading. It was really profound. It began our friendship. So in this reading with Kate, um, all I could see was yoga, yoga, yoga. You're going to become a yoga instructor. All these amazing things are going to happen with yoga. Got to the end of the reading and she goes, can I tell you what I do? And I said, yes. She goes, I'm a police officer. And I thought, oh, my God, did I just get this so wrong? But she said, I've actually started to take up yoga and I'm really feeling being, she was the first responder, first woman on the site of the crime scene. If you think about that, right? It's hard. She's a mother of four. So she's thinking, I just, I'm burnt out. And I said, well, I see you actually having the most biggest career change. Anyway, a year into 18 months later, everything that, you know, I saw in her psychic Dharma line came true. The story with Kate is she, um, she, she was burnt out and she had just come into yoga and she was having this yearning and calling. There's something I'm meant to do with my life. And she just um, come home from a yin yoga session. She had a full day. I think there was someone who had, she'd seen a pretty gruesome crime scene and she was drinking wine most nights to cope. And she was at the police station doing her night shift. I think the following night and she Googled first responder yoga right? So spirit had put something in her head that said, do this. Mm-hmm. But she was a first response. She didn't even know why she did it. She pressed search. Google then showed her that in Chicago, there's a lady that teaches yoga for first responders, yoga for people in the ambulance, paramedics, fires, police. There's a yoga modality specifically for first responders, people first into crime scenes, scenes that are a bit traumatic. The yoga poses are slightly different so that people don't get triggered. She didn't even know why, but she went home to her husband and said, I've got to fly to Chicago to do this course. Literally a month or two later, she was in Chicago, mother of four. Husband was like, let's do it. You can do it. She went for a week, flew in there that morning, like, you know, 20 hour plane trip. And uh, she then was the first Australian to train as a first responder yoga teacher. She came back, started to introduce it to the men policemen in Australia, you know, we've got an alpha Malquat, you know, uh, type culture. She's this blonde woman teaching them how to do yoga, transforming her environment. 
opened a yoga studio, started doing aerial yoga, and she's now been offered to come back and train the, the cadets in yoga, do yoga for the cadets. Right. So this is where the first part of your life, why am I a police officer? Why am I an accountant? Why am I a midwife, a nurse? Because the second part of your life, it makes sense. And, you know, she did it as a a mom of four kids. She quit her police role, trained, now going back to serve in a different way. Um, Her story is really inspiring because it was the acts of courage. We're like, I just searched it. I just booked the flights. I just, so it's a lot of stories of women that were like, I don't know why I'm doing this thing, but I'm going to do it and I'm going to see how it goes. So that is incredible. That is absolutely incredible. I love that. I can't wait for the book. I actually looked it up on Amazon earlier and I saw there was like a Kindle edition. I can get it like right away. So I was like, you know, don't ship me one. You're going to send me one. But I'm like, I'll just get it on Kindle and support you. Very cool. So as we kind of wrap this up too, if you want to leave with the best advice you could give any woman who's listening right now, and then if you could share how people can follow you by the book, uh, work with you, whatever you have going on that you're offering. You know, my best advice, my tagline is in this book is courageously live your truth. And I, you know, find ways to be courageous, find ways to understand what your truth is and find someone to help you live it. Mm-hmm. That's the way I break up the tagline. It's, it's literally, this is your Dharma. It, it's not your husband's. It's not your kids. It's not your mom's or your father's or even your best friend from kindergarten. Courageously living your truth is literally a complete journey of transformation transitioning transformation becoming that's 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 your gig (laughs) so you can you can find me at sheilav.co my website um i've got a facebook group called the courageous path um you can work with me i offer you know um intuition development courses i mentor women on how to transition out of corporate into their side hustle or how to use intuitive intuitive tools in your corporate job, in your life. Mm-hmm. Um, my book's called Brave, Courageously Live Your Truth. So it will be available. It's, it's available in the UK on the 27th of May, in Australia on the 5th of May, and in North America in print in September. So you can buy a Kindle edition before then, but you better get a, and when I can fly, I will be traveling to Canada. I love yeah. Canada. Yeah, totally. Come to the West Coast. I hope you can come here. Vancouver's beautiful. I can drive oh, down yes. and come to you. Yeah, I'm going to do a little book tour. I'm going to organize it and hang out with the Shevol community and your community. So, um, and sell print copies around the world. So, I'm, I'm just passionate about this message because, you know, Daniel, you've had a massive life and you, you're in such big service. And, you know, with awakening to all the women that are awakening, there are young girls coming through that eight, 10, 12 boys too, you know, um, that, that in, when they're 20s and 30s, they're going to want to be mediums and psychics and really harness these gifts. So our job is to train. So we're constantly lifting the, the consciousness of the planet. That's what we're here to do. We're here to serve. So think of the generations beyond that you'll be serving. Don't worry about who's around you now. That someone's better than you and they've got a better Instagram social feed. It's not, it's actually not relevant. It is not important. We are serving the generations that are coming. I love it. You're, you're just so inspiring. You have so much energy. My face has been flushing this whole time. So very cool. Well, thank you so much for coming on Spirit School, Sheila. And I will have all the links below in the show notes or if you're on YouTube below. So please go check her out and read the book. I can't wait. Thank you, Danielle. 
I really hope you enjoyed this episode of Spirit School. If you did, please leave me a review and a rating wherever you're listening to this podcast. And if you do feel called to share this with your friends, thank you for tagging me on Instagram at Squamish Medium so I can also share. It really helps get the word out about the podcast. If you're interested in working with me in my one-on-one mentorship, a reading, or all the various programs that I run, you can go to squamishmedium.com or check me out on Instagram at Squamish Medium. The link in the bio has everything I am currently working on in service to the world of spirit. Have a great day, guys.